This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. I'm Cassandra Baldini with Financial Standard. Silicon Valley Bank collapsed last Friday, making it the biggest US lender to crash since the global financial crisis. Here with me today to talk about what exactly happened, and all the way from Texas State University, is Associate Professor of Finance, William Chitterden. William, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. So tell us, what exactly happened last week with Silicon Valley Bank? The short answer is they did not have enough cash on hand to meet their depositors' needs. The slightly longer answer is we have to go back a couple of years where SVB concentrated very much on tech startups. That was their niche. And by some estimates, they had half of the market, 50% of the market for tech startups. And these startups were doing quite well, brought in a lot of cash, and in fact, uh, SVB doubled and tripled their deposits over these couple, three years because of all this cash coming in, and they didn't have enough loan demand for all of that cash. So they took the excess and invested it in what would normally be thought of as very safe U.S. Treasury securities. Fast forward to 2023, tech firms are being challenged. The business is a little bit harder, not as much cash is coming in, and in fact, these tech firms are having to draw down their cash balances at the bank. The bank uh, ended up in what's referred to as a liquidity crunch. On Wednesday, SVB sold $21 billion of securities to fund the cash demands from their depositors. Unfortunately, since they had bought these over the last couple of years, and in the U.S. we've seen interest rates rise 4.5%, Um, over the last 12 months, the value of those investments fell. So they were worth less than what they had paid for them. Now, under normal conditions, if they'd been able to hold on to those investments until they matured, they would have gotten all of their money. But because of this liquidity crunch, their customers having to have cash now, they were forced to sell that $21 billion in securities and incur a $1.8 billion loss. So SVB's plan was to sell stock on Thursday to raise enough money to fill that $1.8 billion hole. The financial markets, though, were spooked by that big loss, and the stock price plummeted. SVB was not able to raise the additional capital. You had uh, venture capitalists who had a lot of these startup tech firms as clients say, we're worried about SVB. You need to get your money out now. And that created a good old-fashioned bank run. And so, $42 billion in deposits left on Thursday, and there was just nothing left by Friday morning, and so regulators had to shut them down. And Signature Bank was the next calamity to follow the crash, and now we're seeing most regional banks slump. Do you think we'll see further failures? I don't believe so, uh, in that the reason for Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, those failures were very different. Silicon Valley Bank as I mentioned, was very much a liquidity problem, and they poorly managed their investment portfolio. With Signature Bank, their niche was cryptocurrency, and they dealt with a lot of firms that uh, were in the crypto space. Well, again, as we know, that industry has not been doing well of late, and so there it was more bad credits 
loans going bad with crypto customers that caused Signature to fail as compared to the liquidity problem that Silicon Valley Bank had. So uh, although both were being treated the same by uh, the deposit insurance, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC here in the U.S., in that both were declared to be systemic risk banks, which meant that the Federal Reserve could pay all of the depositors. So even those above the $250,000 limit were going to get their uh, money back. As when the bank closed on Friday, that was not known. And so folks were very concerned that they were going to be stuck and not have access to a large portion of their funds. Now, I'll say for me, you know, $10 million is a lot of money. I'm assuming for you, $10 million would be a lot of money, whether it's US or Australian. But for a startup, that's not that much money. And they might have needed a million of that just to meet payroll that month. And so you had folks uh, and a lot of firms that were in that same position that they, they weren't going to be, be able to make payroll uh, on Friday because the bank closed down and all their funding was tied up. So by uh, designating these banks systemic, being able to ensure that all depositors were going to be paid uh, come Monday morning, SVB's depositors should have felt a little bit more at ease that they had access to all of their money. It made uh, for a, a very stressful weekend, but Monday morning things were much better for them. Um, again, we're and I think because of that, we're not seeing a run on other banks. Now there were some other banks that had a, you know some issues. First Republic was one where we saw a, a large decline in their stock price. Some concerns. They had some similarities with uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank in that they have a large amount of customers that have deposits that are uninsured, so above that $250,000 limit. But First Republic was able to go out into the financial markets, secure the liquidity they needed to meet any customer deposit needs. And um, although there were literally a couple of very short lines in front of some First Republic branches on Monday morning, once folks realized that there was plenty of money there, they were literally going home. And so I think that we it's crisis has been avoided. Um, and uh, all in all, the, the U.S. banking system is safe and sound. Do you think the Fed's actions this week is enough to properly ease the situation? Do you think it's likely to be contained to the U.S.? I think it will be contained to the, to, to the U.S. And I think it's going to be contained really just to these banks and their customers. This is much different than the financial crisis. So when we had Lehman Brothers fail, Lehman had financial dealings with lots and lots of other financial institutions around the world. So when they failed, that was losses that were incurred by lots and lots of financial institutions around the world. If you were dealing with Lehman, before they failed, you felt like this is a risk-free, for-sure thing. And then all of a sudden, when they failed, you lost a lot of money. That rippled throughout the entire economy and was really the first domino in the financial crisis. Here, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank don't really have a whole lot of um, ties with other financial institutions. So their failure isn't spreading to other failures. The only potential spread would be the panic from depositors. But again, I think the FDIC's actions are keeping other folks satisfied that their deposits are going to be safe at their banks.
A large part of the problem with Silicon Valley Bank was the mismatch between assets, loans and fixed interest securities and liabilities or deposits. Do you think it's likely that others within the private credit market could also be exposed negatively? I don't see that happening. And again, I don't really see much of a contagion effect. Uh, in this particular case, again, with SVB, it, it, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. but the bit that we've been able to see, it was poor interest rate management. As you said, it was a mismatch between their investments, which, again, under normal circumstances would have been okay. Uh, but if you'd asked anybody 18 months ago, what are the odds that interest rates are going to go up 4.5% in a 12-month period? They would have said, you're crazy. Well, they already had those on the books when interest rates started to go up. Now, having said that, they shouldn't have invested in two or three or four-year securities. They should have invested in three-month or six-month securities so that they could have rolled those securities over and would have uh, enjoyed the, the benefits of increasing interest rates because their investments would have earned higher interest rates. But at the time, they chose the risk of going out further. At that time, it would have earned them just a little bit more in interest, but we can see in the longer term, it actually ended up costing them. So again, with them, it was really bad interest rate management. For most other banks, they may have some securities that are underwater at the moment, but they're, they've managed their liquidity enough that they'll be able to hold those for another year or two until they mature and they get that full value. So all in all, do you think people should feel secure within the US banking system? I think so. And I think it's already being reflected in the financial markets. Uh, as you mentioned, particularly on Monday, a lot of the regional bank stocks took big hits. And I'll have to admit, I wish I'd had that foresight to have bought a whole lot of those stocks last night. Uh, you know, it's Tuesday evening here in Texas. So if I had bought all of those stocks uh, last night, I would have seen 50, 60, 70 percent gains in, in those investments overnight. So although uh, First Republic and others don't see their stock prices back to where they were at the beginning of last week, they're much higher than they were uh, Friday and yesterday. William, thank you so much for joining us and sharing those insights. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 